everybody. What is up? Hey, I want to give a shout out to everybody joining us online. We got our online campus, our Norcross campus, some of our Hamilton Mill campus, some of our Midtown campus who aren't ready to get back in the buildings. But we got a special group of people with us today. You, you guys are in the room. <laughs> give a shout out. Welcome out to everybody who took the first step to get back in the building. Wow, after four months or 40 years in the wilderness, one of the above. After four months, while we are beginning the process of regathering back in our buildings, and admittedly, not everybody is here, right? I mean, we can look around the room. Uh, we have our, our distancing, we got the mask. Some of y'all are upset about all of it. Some of y'all are just glad to be back in the room, right? And some of you online are like, you all crazy. Right? All right, because this has been a pretty crazy year, right? I mean, 2020 has been one for the books or one not for the books, right? Some of you are like, let's just erase the whole thing, all right? Pretend like it didn't happen. Um, if, you, if we can remember back, right? Let's just kind of take a, a trip down uh, memory lane here. We had the Australian wildfires, right? That uh, our president was impeached. Murder hornets. Iran launched two ballistic missiles on a, a U.S. base in Iraq. Remember that one? Y'all were like, that was this year? That felt like 30 years ago. The racial tensions, right, you know, have been higher than at any time during our generation. And then the COVID-19 lockdown. And uh, it seems like our nation has never been more divided uh, more offended about everything, that everything is politicized. Masks are politicized. Some of you, we got the comments. We got the comments. They were like, you just tell me when we, we don't have to wear masks and that's when I'll come back. Because you guys are caving to the liberal agenda. Right? And I'm like, come on, guy. How are we offended about everything? Like, I know what the world's gonna do, but us? Like us, the people of God? Right? I mean, this is just an absolute crazier. And there's this feeling of what in the world is going on. It feels like all of 2020 is just one big meme. Doesn't it? Just one giant meme. We got, we got a few. Maybe, maybe your 2020 feels like this. Like surely 2020 is gonna get better soon and 2020 is just mocking you. Right? Just laughing at you. Or this next one. Everybody's making jokes about how 2020 is gonna keep getting worse and then, and then it does. <laughs> and news anchors every day since January 2020. Tonight at 11, do <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> Me being prepared for 2020. And 2020 found a way. <laughs> 2020 found a way. Maybe some of you are doing a little coloring to relieve some of your stress. Maybe this one right here kind of sums up 2020. Just tried to respond to somebody with all good or no worries, and instead what came out was all worries, which coincidentally is the best description of me at any given moment. And maybe if you were actually to give 2020 a Yelp review, very bad, would not recommend. Like, come on, somebody, it feels like we just want a do-over. Like, for the golf guys, you want a mulligan. Like, we just, can we just start again? Like, nobody wants next year, please do not make a 2020 recap video. Like, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Like, everybody's just thinking, like, there's not a whole lot to look forward to, and there's this aching on the inside of us. Can we just get back to normal? Can we just get back to normal? And newsflash, this isn't the first time things have been bad, all right? 
Like if you rewind back, I mean, there's multiple times we can rewind back to, but let's go all the way back, like Old Testament sort of stuff. Let's take a quick trip through the Old Testament that the, that the Jewish people had been called by God, blessed by God. God says, I'm for you, not against you. I wanna bless you and not curse. Like just follow my ways. But the people, they turn against God, they turn to their idols. And so God withdraws his hand and the Babylonians come in and invade and they conquer. They invade and they conquer, not just to punish the people, but in order to turn the people's hearts back Back to God. Come on, somebody. Could it be that sometimes not everything God is doing, but could it be that sometimes God withdraws his hand in order for life events to happen to turn our hearts back to God, to turn a nation back to God, right? To leave our idols, to leave our wicked ways and to turn back to God. So the Babylonians come in and they destroy everything. 586 BC, super important date in the Old Testament. 586 BC, the Babylonians destroy Solomon's temple. They destroy the first temple. I mean, how amazing this temple was. They destroy it, big deal. This was literally the place where God lived on earth and they destroyed it. God allowed them to destroy it. And then they go in, they wipe out the city, they destroy the city walls and they take the best and the brightest with them back to Babylon. This is old, this is Sunday school sort of stuff, right? This is where Daniel comes from, Daniel in the lion's den, right? Daniel was a young Jewish man who got exiled back to Babylon. This is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. They were three young Jewish men who got exiled back to Babylon. 50 years later, the Persians come in and they conquer the Babylonians and King Cyrus of the Persians. He inexplicably begins sending the Jews back home with the express purpose to worship God, right? And so this is where later on you get something like Nehemiah, right? At the end of the Old Testament, Nehemiah goes back to rebuild the city walls. But first, Ezra goes back and Ezra begins this painstaking process of beginning to rebuild the temple. He's rebuilding the temple. But what happens is the people get discouraged while they're rebuilding the temple and they stop. And so the temple sits there for 16 years unfinished. Come on, guys. We complain about four months. 16 years. The people started and then they're like, nah, we're good. We don't need a place to go worship God. Now we're good. And they leave it for 16 years. And so this once great nation, come on somebody, this once great nation finds itself bitter and angry and offended and disconnected from God and angry at God and backbiting one another. Does it sound familiar? All right. And so this is where the prophet Haggai comes in. Haggai, if you, you, you're like, if you go in the Old Testament, you'll miss it because he's got two chapters. Haggai, you got two chapters. You better make them count. Come on, I mean, you, you flip and you miss it. All right, Haggai's got two chapters. And so he comes back in to this group of angry, bitter, offended people. God sends them back in to go and speak the word of the Lord. Because guys, these guys were making 520 BC memes like we're making 2020 AD memes, like things were bad. Right? But Haggai speaks as one who still believes that God is able. And here's what he says, Haggai 2, verse 1. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel. This is the, this is the government, the governor of Judah. To Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is the church leaders. And to the remnant of the people. In other words, God says, hey guys, speak to the government speak to the pastors and speak to the people. 
Cover all your bases, speak to everybody. And so what he does, Haggai gathers everybody right there in front of this worn down, abandoned temple, 16 years abandoned temple. And he says this, God tells him to do this. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? 66 years later, 66 years later after the Babylonians came in and invaded, almost an entire generation has passed away. And he says, who of you remembers this house in its former glory? And just, just a handful of grand, grandfathers, great-grandfathers, great-grandmothers, they raised their hands. I remember Solomon, I mean, Solomon's temple, the richest man in the world, the wisest man in the world, all the gold, all the silver, all the ornate details, all the craftsmanship. And now they're standing in front of this like excuse for a temple. How many of you remember this thing when it was so great and powerful and beautiful and amazing and all the kings of the earth wanted to come in and see this, you remember it. How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Absolutely is what they replied. It absolutely looks like nothing. It's depressing. It's depressing. They stood there in front of the temple and said, God, we got to wear masks. God, we got to distance. God is not like it used to be. God, where's my friends? God, where everybody's scattered. Where is everybody? Do you remember what it used to be like? What does it look like to you now? It's depressing. But now be strong, Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadic, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land. Be strong, government. Be strong, pastors. Be strong, people. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. God is saying to these people, and I believe he's saying to us, now is the time to get back to work. He's saying, lift up your eyes, pull out of your depression and set your hand back to the plow. <laughs> Guys, something happened. I'm telling you, it happened to them and it happened to us. When tragedy strikes, we just pause in our tracks. We stop worshiping God. We get disconnected from truth. And so we're subject to every wind of doctrine and people get taken out. People stop witnessing. People stop praying for the sick. People stop pressing into God. And God says, it's time to work. It's time to get back to business, guys. It's time to get back to the Lord's business. And God says, this is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, everybody say in a little while. One more time. In a little while, in a little while, I will, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. Any of you sense a shaking? He says, I will shake and what is desired by all the nations will come and get this and I will fill the house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Come on, somebody. Come on. He says, I know it's hard to wait when you're in pain, but God says in a little while, in a little while, in a little while, God says, I will fill the place of your pain with glory. In a little while. I know it's hard to wait when you're in pain, but God says, in a little while, glory's coming. Glory's coming. 
The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And get this, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. Come on, Jesus. Some of y'all just at home, just lift up your hands. Say, God, I believe it. God says, I know it's bad. And listen, it might get worse. There's no promises. I know it's bad and it might even get worse. And listen, it might even get way worse. But God says this, in just a little while, in just a little while, the glory is coming. The glory is coming. God's presence, God's power, come on, is coming. God's protection is coming. God's promises are coming. They will be fulfilled in just a little while. In just a little while, the glory is coming. And as the people, listen, are staring at this rundown temple and they're staring at this, this excuse of what their lives used to be and where their spiritual state used to be and they're aching and they're longing and they're just saying, God, can we just get back to normal? God looks at it all and get this. He says this, actually, guys, if you're waiting for things to get back to normal, you're thinking too small. You're thinking too small because we have a God who's greater and we have a God who presses forward. We don't have a God who goes backwards. We have a God who sometimes, listen, has to tear down the old so he can build up the new. And there were some things that had to get torn down in this last season so God could build something new. And God says, I know it doesn't make sense and you're probably not even gonna believe me, but the future is gonna be greater than the past. And the glory of the latter house is gonna be greater than the glory of the former house, declares the Lord Almighty. That's what he says. And he's saying, guys, I know you don't believe it because you can't see it. That's why you have to walk by faith and not by sight because you can't wait until you see it. You have to know that God is at work and God continually all throughout the scriptures is saying, guys, listen, I can't tell you the whole plan because it would blow your mind, but I'm doing a new thing. I'm a new thing, God. I'm a God who's creating. I'm a God who's forging a new path. We have a God who says, guys, I know it doesn't make sense. I know you're looking at it with your eyes, but I'm telling you, I promise you, the future is gonna be better than the past. I'm not just talking about the economy. I'm talking about the kingdom. I'm talking about the glory. I'm talking about the honor. I'm talking about what God has for you, the plans and the purposes. I'm talking about the glory that's coming. It's gonna be greater than it's ever been. And I, I'm just gonna be honest. I did not wanna call this series greater. I didn't because of the season that we're in, because of the timing and not because of what we see in the world around us. I didn't wanna call it greater because of what's happening in this house. Like I told Pastor Dennis, I said, listen, I don't wanna be the guy who kicks off the series and I'm calling it greater, like the future is gonna be greater than the past because of the time that we're in. I don't wanna make it feel like, we're not, like I'm knocking the future, right? like I'm knocking the decades of what they've built in the past in order to create this new future. And Pastor Dennis is actually the one who said, no, 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 don't worry about that, go for it, go for it. And he said this, he said, Johnson, you, you have to understand, and I, he knows I believe this, but he said the people need to believe this, is that the future of victory is gonna be greater than the past of victory. He says, you need to just do it. And so I was like, let's go, let's go. And so what we're doing, we're spending the next five weeks. We're spending the next five weeks in, in one of the greatest seasons that's ever happened in the life of this church right here. Probably the second biggest event ever after the church was founded 30 years ago. Now in just five weeks, <laughs> ready babe? Five weeks, Pastor Dennis and Colleen are passing the torch off to Summer and I. And we're entering into this new season. 
And what I'm saying is this, what I'm believing is this, what we're believing is this, is that the future of this church, the future of our families, the future of the capital K kingdom of God, and your future is greater than your past, says the Lord God Almighty. It is greater. Why? Because we have a greater God. We have a God who's greater than anything and everything. Come on, we have a God who's greater than murder hornets. We have a God who's greater than if you get exposed to COVID. We have a God who's greater than cancer. We have a God who's greater than Russian airplanes flying over Alaska. We have a God who's greater than an election in November. We have a God who's greater than our, than our mistakes, than our bank account, than our boss. We have a God who's bigger than our marriage problems, our family problems, our kid problems, our baby daddy problems. He's bigger than all of it, right? Tozer says this, I love this. While it looks like things are out of control behind the scenes, there is a God who hasn't surrendered his authority. God is still sitting on a throne. He's still ruling and reigning above it all. I know we look at it with our eyes and we're like, oh my God, this is hopeless. But God is still sitting on a throne in the darkest of storms. The sun is still shining above the clouds, right? That God's presence is greater. God's power is greater. God's wisdom is greater. God's knowledge is greater. God's future is greater than anything that could ever come against us. I mean, think about how great your God is. Let, 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 me give you, let me give you a big scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has measured or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anybody's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Does someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forest and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing, mere emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed into a mold overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and, and a skilled craft to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God, the words he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom you, can you compare me? Who is my equal, asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Atlanta. How can you not say, how can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? Oh, United States, oh, nations of the world. How can you say that the Lord doesn't see your troubles? 
Oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Come on. That is God. That is God. This is the same God who sent plagues on Egypt and rescued his people with his mighty right hand, parted the Red Sea and sent them into the promised land. This is the same God who came down in fire on Mount Carmel. This is the same God who called his people back with grace and kindness by the prophets. This is the same God who so loved the world that he was born in a manger in Bethlehem, lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave to ransom, redeem, rescue his people. He's coming back for his bride. He empties out coffins with a word. He paints the stars in the sky with his words and he rules and he reigns supreme over it all. And we have to get it through our thick heads. Come on, somebody. We have to get it through our thick heads that God is infinitely greater, infinitely greater than all we can ever ask or imagine. Infinitely greater. Guys, in light of all that, we come to God and we're like, oh, no, God. Oh, look, somebody, somebody breathed on me today. Oh, look, can you do anything about that? Oh, God, I don't know. I might get laid off. Can you do something about that? Oh, God, something might happen. We might have to shut down the gathering next week. Can you do something about that? And God says, I created protons and neutrons. Have you lift up your eyes lately to see the glory of what I painted with my breath? You don't think, I can handle the demons. I can handle the sickness. I, all the silver and gold is mine. You don't think I can't do anything about that? Take me out of the box. Take me out of the box. Come on, come on, church. Take me out of the box. Come on online. Take me out of the box. Lift your eyes up. That's where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. Come on. And here's the deal, guys. If we can live in light of that, if we can live with our eyes on the greatness of our God, it changes everything about how we see times like this, about how we go through times like this, about how we live in times like this, about how we talk in times like this, about how we talk on social media during times like this. If we can keep our eyes there, keep our eyes there on the greatness of our God. And so how do we respond to it? What's our response to the greatness of God. Let me give you two, just big picture. What's our response to the greatness of God? Here's the first thing. The first thing is our response is the fear of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. One of the, one of the greatest stories in the entire Bible is when God rescues the people out, right? Parts the Red Sea, they come through and God takes them to the foot of Mount Sinai and he gives them the 10 commandments. What are the 10 commandments? They're not like this list of do's and don'ts. What they are, you view it almost like, like God offering the ring to his people. Will you, will you marry me? Will you live the way that I've called you to? And the people say, we will. We will be your people and you will be our God, All right? And God's saying, this is how you relate to me and this is how you relate to others as my people. And then the next verse, right? They're there with the people at the foot of Mount Sinai. Here's what it says, Exodus 20, verse 18. 
When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke there at Mount Sinai, they trembled with fear and they stayed at a distance. And they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us anymore or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. And the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. That's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. This is amazing. Get this, right? The people, they see the power, the majesty, the awe, the wonder. Who can we compare to God, right? Like Isaiah says, they see it all and they're terrified. But Moses says this really key thing. Moses says this really key thing. He says, do not be afraid of God, but have the fear of God. You say it again, that there is a difference between being afraid of God and having the fear of God. Listen, some of us, we really need to know this because some of you are terrified of God. That's not the goal. The goal is not to be terrified of God. The goal is to have the fear of God, but to not be afraid of God. Two completely different things. Being, being afraid of God causes you to stand at a distance. Having the fear of God causes you to draw near like Moses did. Being afraid of God causes you to run away from God when you sin, right? Having the fear of God keeps you from sinning to begin with. <laughs> because there's a difference. Listen, I'm gonna put it up here. The fear of the Lord is living in a reverent, awe of God, realizing how much greater than me he is. The fear of God is this wow that overwhelms me, that overcomes me when I think about God. This wow, not like ah, but this wow. That's the fear of God. C.S. Lewis says this, I love it. In God, you come up against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison. You do not know God at all. As long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. The fear of the Lord is this, oh God, you are so great and you are so wonderful and you are so high and you are so exalted and you are so worthy. Wow. St. Augustine was one of the, the patriarchs, one of the, the founders of the faith. Like, like he lived in the 400s AD, St. Augustine. And he wrote over a hundred books uh, he helped to form the, the, the church's early theology. Um, he actually wrote <clears throat> one of the first, if not actually the first autobiography ever written in history, St. Augustine. It's called You Converted Me. Have it in my, not the original, but I have it in my library. Um, and he, 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 some of the most profound writings that people have actually referenced for, for 1600 years, this guy wrote. And on his deathbed, <laughs> I love this story, on his deathbed, Surrounded by his friends and his family, he's breathing shallows, and he just drifts away. And the story says that the peace just filled the room. And all of a sudden, his face started shining, and his eyes open up, and he sits up in the bed, and he says, I've seen the Lord. All I have written is straw. 
And he closed his eyes again. The fear of the Lord is, is simultaneously knowing how loved and cared for and valued and affirmed I am by God, yet at the same time, never forgetting how immense and powerful and majestic and awe-inspiring and mountain-moving our God is. It's holding those two things together. The fear of the Lord, listen, the fear of the Lord is what called the Jews to never actually say the name God because they didn't wanna take the name Jehovah or Yahweh. They didn't wanna bring it down into human words because his name was so majestic. When they were transcribing the scriptures, whenever they, would, whenever they would write the name God, they would throw the pen away and get another pen. Like this is how they treated the name of God, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is being careful not to make God into my image, but to allow him to make me into his image. That whenever he and I disagree, he wins. The fear of the Lord is not trying to use scripture to justify my sin, but to allow scripture to transform me into the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The fear of the Lord, listen, the fear of the Lord is not using God as love to excuse my rebellion because God is also a consuming fire who detested and hated sin so much that he gave his only son that we could be redeemed through him. The fear of the Lord, come on somebody, the fear of the Lord is not sitting in worship with your hands in your pockets. The fear of the Lord is not sitting online sipping some coffee while we're singing praise to God. The fear of the Lord is not dragging yourself into, into church 20 minutes late. The fear of the Lord is not clicking 20 minutes late. The fear of the Lord is a wow, wow. Come on, the fear of the Lord is not criticizing church leaders when they have to make decisions. The fear of the Lord is prioritizing time with God. The fear of the Lord is leaving shallow Christianity behind. The fear of the Lord is realizing that we have a God who the angels encircle his throne, screaming out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come that as his breath, the mountains melt like wax and the powerful kingdoms of the earth are blown away. And understanding that Jesus didn't come to make God less big, Jesus came, be, came to, to make a door so that we can boldly approach that throne with confidence and boldness, knowing that we have a good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. The fear of the Lord is understanding that the God who shook things back then is still the God who can shake what needs to be shaken today. He can build something new he, he, can, he can form something new in our families. He can form something new in your health. He can form something new in your bank account. He can form something new in our nation. You understand that God is not intimidated by institutional racism. God is bigger. God is greater than it. God is greater than a plague. Do you not see the plagues in the, in the scriptures? God is greater than it all. And God is calling his people saying, guys, it's time to get back to work. It's time to lift up your eyes and see who's God you who you really belong to. Do you belong to the Republicans? Do you belong to the Democrats? Or do you belong to the Lord? Come on, lift up your eyes. Do you belong to the US? Come on, who do you belong to? Yeah, lift up your eyes, take me out of the box. Have the fear of the Lord. It is time for the people of God to get the fear of God back in our lives. That's what I'm saying. 
because our God is bigger and our God is greater. And when we see everything shaking in the world around us, there needs to be this, wow, you're even bigger than that. You're even bigger than that. You're even bigger than that. The first thing, we gotta have the fear of the Lord. The second thing is this, we gotta have the worship of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and the worship of the Lord. Every time, every time you see somebody encounter God in the Bible, there's two, there's two actions, two reactions. There's fear and then there's worship. John sees Jesus in the book of Revelation. I mean, come on, somebody. This is John who like leaned his head on Jesus's chest at the Last Supper. And he sees Jesus as he is now. Says his hair was white like wool. His feet are glowing like bronze in a furnace. His face was shining like the sun. Out of his mouth came a double-edged sword. And John says, at his feet, I fell as though dead. Like John sees Jesus as he is right now. And he's not like, what's up, homeboy? Jesus is my homeboy. No, he dies. <laughs> he sees Jesus and he dies out of fear. I mean, John was Jesus' best friend and he sees him as he is now and he falls at his feet as though dead. And then all he has for the rest of Revelation is worship. Worship, oh God, oh God. It's like the angels who are encircling his throne. It's like every time, it's like the diamond turns, right? And there's another aspect of its glory, another aspect of its brilliance. It's like, for, get this, for all of creation, the angels have been encircling the throne and they're still screaming out holy. Holy means separate. Holy means different than. In other words, they, see, they said this. Listen, the angels have seen everything since the very beginning. They've seen the greatest sunrises. They've seen the, the explosion of the galaxies. They saw Lucifer and all of his glory and the brilliance right before the fall. And what they're saying is they're encircling their throne. They're saying, God, you're different. You're different, you're different, you're different. There's no one like you. 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 We've been looking, we've been looking high and low. They're, listen, they're covered with eyeballs. That's what it says in Revelation. Don't get freaked out. But they're covered with eyeballs. So in other words, it's not like they can only see God. They can see everything. But they're looking at God and they're saying, God, there's no one like you. There's no one like you. You're so wonderful. You're so glorious. You're so magnificent. You're so amazing. There's no one like God. Now, our word for worship comes from the old English word, worthship, worthship. Can you just imagine all the Scots? Worthship, come on guys, let's worship the Lord. Like that's, that's where it comes from. And what it is, it's acknowledging the worth. Get that worthship, worthship, acknowledging the worth of the worthy, worthiness of the object of worship. When we worship, what we're doing is we're saying, God, you alone are worthy of our worship. Whenever we're participating in sin, idolatry, addiction, we're saying, I'm gonna give some of my worship to those things. And what God says is, I'm the only one who's worthy of your worship. If you have eyes to see, if you looked at me and looked at that thing, you would say, God, you alone are worthy of worship. You alone are greater than it all. And in Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, here it is. Uh, it references back to Exodus 20, what we read a second ago. They're all there at Mount Sinai and God's speaking. Here it is. I love this. I'm going to give you another big scripture here before we close. Hebrews 12, 18. For we are not coming as Moses did to a physical mountain with its burning fire, thick clouds of darkness and gloom and with a raging whirlwind. We are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of a trumpet and the thundering voice, the fearful voice that they begged to be silenced. That's what happened to the Israelites there at Mount Sinai. By contrast, 
We, we, listen, we, we, here, online, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. This is where we already are. We've joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. And as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat, blood that continues to speak from heaven, forgiveness, a better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth, justice. Make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. And those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven. Listen, the earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain, but now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world. Come on, somebody. I will not only shake the systems of the world. How many of you know that the systems of the world are being shaken right now? The systems of the world. He's saying, not only am I gonna shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers and the heavenly realm. I believe that right now that heavenly places are being disrupted. I believe that demonic forces are being disrupted and there is an opportunity for the church of the living God to work. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of things that are shaking, that is the old order, so only what is unshakable will remain. And since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and we should offer God the purest worship that delights his heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender filled with awe for our God is a holy devouring fire. So the question is, what's your response to the greatness of God? What's your response to the greatness of God? Do we stand at a distance like the Israelites, afraid of God or with the fear of the Lord? Do we boldly approach the throne of grace? Do we climb up the mountain? Do we go to meet with God face to face? Do we go to the God who's filled with grace and kindness and love and fire and shaking? And do we trust him with everything? Because listen, in just a little while, in just a little while, in just a little while, God's gonna fill the place of your pain with glory. And in just a little while, listen, it may do this for a while. It may do this, it may do this for a while. But in just a little while, in just a little while, God's gonna fill the place of your sadness with glory. He's gonna fill the place of your depression with glory. He's gonna fill your bank account with glory. He's gonna fill your family with glory. He's gonna fill your hope and a future with glory. This is the God that we have. And he says that your future will be greater than your past. The, fu the future house will be greater than the past house. Listen, and God's saying today, will we lift up our eyes and believe it and believe it if you live with your eyes here, you'll never believe it. But if you live with your eyes here, 
you will believe it, that our God rules and reigns and is greater than it all. And maybe this right here could be your 2020 meme moving forward, that God is greater than my fears and God is greater than my insecurities and God is greater than my worry and God is greater than my everything. He's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my reverence. He's worthy of my awe. He's worthy of my wow. Come on, let's stand up to our feet. If you're able at home, once you stand up to your feet, if you're driving, stay seated. Man, we're gonna worship the Lord here in just a minute. Let's, let's do this though. Let's, let's, let's close our eyes just for a second because I'm not naive enough to believe that after four months that there's some people here inside this room who don't know the Lord and there are many people online who don't know the Lord. And God, I believe this, that today, that as we're getting a glimpse, a glimpse a glimpse, a, a turning of the diamond, right? A turning of it. We're getting a glimpse of the beauty of God and the glory of God and the grandeur of God. As we're getting this glimpse, I believe that your promise is coming to fulfillment, that you said that you're gonna draw all men, all women, all children to yourself. That there's something magnetic and attractive and irresistible about the glory of God. God, right now we hear it, we sense it, we feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit and we trust you, we worship you. Come on, some of you in here, you just need to start, even in your own heart, you just need to say, God, thank you. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for what you're going to do. God, thank you that you're a God of glory and promise and power and protection and provision. God, you're a greater God than anything that could ever come against us but there are some people who don't know you, who've never come to faith in Christ Jesus. And so right now I wanna give you this offer. <laughs> this is what's so amazing. When we actually take a second and we think about how amazing God is and that he would actually allow us to draw near to him, right? In our own flesh, we would die in his presence, but he's given us grace to be forgiven because he is pure and holy and we are not. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, he washes our sins away. And now we have the righteousness of Christ and can come near to a righteous God. That's the good news. That's the good news. That's the good news. Good news means gospel. If you've heard of gospel before, that's what the gospel is. It's the good news of Jesus. And so if you're in here today or you're online, I just want you, I wanna I want allow you, God wants to allow you to come to him through Jesus Christ. And so we're gonna pray this together. And so followers of Christ in here, followers of Christ at home, let's pray together. And if you say, I wanna, I wanna give my life to Christ today. I wanna give my life to this glorious God who rules and reigns over it all. I wanna want invite you into this prayer as well. Say this, say, God, you are greater than it all. You are greater than my fears, than my worries, than my future, than my present, and you are greater than my sin. And so I thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying on the cross, for my sin to wash me clean. I receive that today and I turn from my wicked way in my path, God, I turn, I repent from worshiping sin. And today I choose to worship God for the rest of my life. I lay me down to pick up your way of life from this day forward. And I believe that you are greater than anything that could ever come against me. The battle is the Lord's, the victory is the Lord's. The future is the Lord's. And so today, God, come and fill me with glory. Come and fill me with righteousness. 
and come and fill me with a hope and a future. I trust you and I choose you. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are my Savior in Jesus' name. Let's lift up our arms. Let's lift up our hands. Let's give Him glory. God, you alone, you alone are worthy. Come on, press into it. Don't just follow me. You alone are worthy, God. God, we submit our family to you. We put our our, our hope and our future before you, God. We put our nation before you. We put our, our health in front of you. We put our finances in front of you and say, God, we trust you. We trust you, God. You are greater than all. God, we need to move. Come on, we need to move in America. We need to move in the nations. We need to move in Atlanta. God, we need to move in institutional racism. God, we need to move in the healthcare system. God, we need to move in our government. But God, we trust you. We trust you, we exalt you, we lift you up. You alone are the one who's able. You alone are the one who's worthy. God, you alone, you alone, come on, worship them. Not just with your lips, worship them with your heart. Say, God, I leave my past, I leave my sin, I leave the filth, it's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to start sharing the good news. It's time to start laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. Come on, it's it's time, it's time, it's time. In a little while, the glory's coming. Come on, lift them up, lift them up, Jesus Christ. Jesus, the name above every name, the name in which every knee will bow and every tongue confess you, Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, we worship you, and we trust you. Come on, let's worship.